Hey everybody, Dave Hagen here. Think about this. As coronavirus shrinks, opportunity grows. That's today on the Financial Wellness Podcast, Coronavirus Edition. Welcome to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to the financial success. Here is your host, financial problem solver and talk show host, Dave Hagan. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of the Financial Wellness Podcast, or the TFWP, as we like to call it. We're coming to you from four different locations via Zoom today which I think is our new default way of doing things. And who do we have here with us today? Hey, look, it's Nick Appel. David Hagen, how you doing? Good, good, you? Man, I'm loving it right now. The weather is beautiful, and I am graduating in a couple months. Can you believe it? Nicely played, sir. You've just passed your third year of law school. Passed my third year of law school and passed my $200,000 in debt. So oh, oh, it's pretty good. Oh, we're going to talk about that next episode. <laughs> and as always, Mr. Brian Reed. Brian, how you doing? Mr. Hagen, I'm doing very well, buddy. How are you? Good, good, good. Good to see you. Likewise, likewise. So everybody feature this. We're like uh, big kids here today. We're Zooming and we just uh, figured out how to use this uh, digital filter thing. So I've got some sunglasses on. Brian's got a uh, red beret on. I'm going to be French, so I'm going to be rude today, guys, just so you know. (laughs) And Nick, Nick's got some like little tied up bandana situation. I'm I'm having my inner Minnie Mouse today. There we go. There we go. And our engineer, Scott, has nothing because, frankly, he's above it all. (laughs) Hey, check this out. This episode's going to drop February 22, 2021. And it means that we've been in this coronavirus thing now for just about a year. Can you believe that? In California, we've, we've shut down the economy twice. I mean, think of all the things that we've had to deal with the last year. The daily press conferences at noon the Cuomo show on CNN, the mayor of Los Angeles show, the governor, the governor of California show, all these things that we've had to do. And it's been a tough year. According to John Hopkins Coronavirus Resource Center, we've lost almost two and a half million people worldwide. Two and a half million people. Almost 500,000 people in the United States. Almost 500,000 people. Life has changed forever, even for the living. Here's just a few examples. You know, one, we Zoom now for everything, both business and personal. And, and yeah, that's good. There's less commuting. There's less pollution. We have more time during our day. It's probably a more efficient business model. Just as an example, I gave another guest lecture this week at Cal State Long Beach. And if I had to drive all the way down there, I probably would not have done so. 
Dave, you cool guy, you. Well, you know, I like to try and hang out with the, the hip and the relevant. What can I say? <laughs> you know, and by the way, all to all the students out there, a shout out to all the students. We talked about wants and needs and marketing and business strategy and how uh, personal finance in some ways resists that business strategy, that marketing strategy. So shout out to all the, the students. You know, I think that the Zoom has also got some bad to it. It's certainly a lot less personal interaction, you know, another example of how things have changed forever. I don't think we're ever going to see restaurants as crowded as we've seen in the past. You ever had one of those circumstances where you sit down at a restaurant, guys, and you can hear all the conversation at the next table? And you always kind of wonder, wow, if they sneeze or cough, I wonder how safe this is. And I always just assumed that it was safe because, like, no one was getting sick. Well, now people have gotten sick. Yeah. But, Dave, I'm kind of jealous I, I want to get out. Oh, I want to get out too. We'll talk about pent up demand in a couple of minutes, but uh, I don't know. I think things have changed by gosh. I hope that they change airplanes, make them a little less crowded on a go forward basis. Uh, having that middle seat out, I guess has been really nice for folks. I never thought it was fun to have, you know, that middle seat where you're all cramped together. And I always, um, uh, I always used to be seated next to the gentleman that was like size plus, you know, and it was, pretty uncomfortable on a long ride, especially if you're going somewhere long, but things have changed. It's changed some for the better, some for the worse, you know, and when you think about it a year later, here we are, we've endured, we've endured. Think about this. We do major testing. Now I saw an article in the paper yesterday that said that the city of Los Angeles has now done more tests than the population of the city. Yeah. I that's a pat on the back. That's pretty amazing to me. We have two vaccines out and a third on the way, and we did this in less than a year. That's mind-boggling. Yeah, that's that continues to blow me away. It used to take eight to 10 years to do a vaccine. And they're not even injecting weakened coronavirus like they have in, in prior vaccines. They came, out with a, came up with a completely different way to design a vaccine, a model now that they can use for, for other viruses. Blows my mind. Just absolutely blows my mind. We're approaching a 15% vaccine rate. Now, by the first of the year, it was kind of a train wreck for a while, but 15%, 15%, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. And for a lot of other things in our lives, we figured out workarounds for stuff, workarounds for going into work, workarounds for showing up in court, workarounds for... um, Nick, things like depositions and and things like that. It's pretty amazing how resilient and creative and clever we can be if we work together and and just don't argue and and carpet each other too much, you know? So moving forward, there's a bright light on the horizon. I don't know if you guys saw this or not, but there was a Wall Street Journal article just this past week, and it was discussing potentially an end to the coronavirus soon by the way and now i've seen similar articles in the la times and the new york times just over this past weekend what what could we be towards the end of this coronavirus thing now it's always going to be with us like the flu is and so many other things but the majority of the hardship behind us what Dave, I am shocked. And did you also, guys, did you guys uh, see this? Did you see this? I read well, it and well, I was blown away. Well, well, I'll tell you what. 
I was blown away about is that did you hear Israel is planning to be at a zero percent um, infection rate in well, June? In I think June, that's incredible. That's incredible. Now we, you know, I we love gotta, this. We we got to give credit where credits due, or 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 at least you know con, um, um, frame that. Uh, you know, that statement, because Israel's got a smaller population and a, and a very confined geography. But the fact that they're doing that, mind-blowing, mind-blowing. Hats off, hats off to those Israelis, you know? It's amazing. Um, but getting back to these articles, the numbers in these three articles, Wall Street Journal, LA Times, New York Times, they, they vary a little bit because they're doing statistical analysis. So I, I want to relate to you what's what was in the Wall Street Journal, because it's the most optimistic and the pedigree of the author's impeccable and uh, the Wall Street Journal printed it first. So I want to talk about their numbers. So there's this article written by Dr. Marty Markery, and he's a professor at John Hopkins School of Medicine and Bloomberg School of Public Health. And he predicts that due to herd immunity, COVID will be mostly gone by April. April, 60 days. That's pretty Brian, bold. That's Brian, has, how does that affect your lottery tickets? <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 I can tell you how that affects my stocks. <laughs> so I got to tell you, I'm reading this article. And, you know, as I say, I always check the source. So I'm looking at this article and, well, this, this doctor, this fellow, he's a, a doctor and professor at John Hopkins and one of the most reliable sources for um, corona virus information and and certainly a, a world-renowned medical facility so that's good it's printed in the wall street journal usually a, a pretty good source everything in the paper is always true right guys absolutely dave absolutely I everything i read yeah absolutely but i gotta say you know wall street journal okay however now this is interesting it was contained on the opinion section of the wall street journal so maybe because the doctor was stepping out quite so far, they decided to put it on the opinion section. It was certainly written in the first person. So, you know, we'll, we'll take it with a grain of salt. But then, but then when the LA Times jumped in with different quotes from different experts and the New York Times jumped in with different statistics and different sets of experts, that's when I really started to think, wow, wow. Maybe, maybe this is a thing. Maybe we're getting close. Maybe it's not April, but maybe, maybe we're close. And by far, it was really the most optimistic piece I've seen in a long time. In fact, probably the best piece of news I've seen since, since what, January? When they said that, or maybe it was December, when the results of the vaccine trials were starting yeah, to come trials back. trials came in. Right? You, may, you remember back, what, it was uh, eight, nine months ago, the, the first person was getting the shot. Um, you know, in the trials. And we were saying, all right, go, let's go for it. Let's get this information. Da, da, da. And then the trial results came back in December. And then in January, we saw the first person, um, you know, in the world get the injection. And it was kind of like a sci-fi thing. It was so surreal. And here we are, maybe, 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 maybe looking towards the end of this thing. So this was the doctor's thinking. He says, cases are down 77% over the last six weeks. In fact, I saw something in the local newspapers that said that there were um, uh, 7,000 confirmed cases per day on the average 
more recently, and, and they were up to, I don't know what it was, 35, 40,000 uh, just a month or two ago. So the, the number of reported cases are down dramatically. And the doctor said this can't be all due to the vaccines because only 15% have been um, uh, injected. He says rather he thinks it's the effects of herd immunity. Now, I've heard this talked about a little bit before, but the concept of herd immunity is that when a large number in a population gets sick and then they are resultingly immune, the virus can no longer continue to spread because there aren't enough people in close proximity and it rapidly peters out and then almost dies. Never goes away completely, but almost dies because it can't spread. When this thing first hit our shores, none of us had any kind of immunity. Our bodies had no way to deal with it, and it spread like wildfire. And he goes on to say that testing's only captured 10 to 25% of the total infections because when the virus infects people, most are asymptomatic. That's one of the reasons that it spread so fast because you couldn't just stay away with, from people with, you know, um, you know vomiting and, and fever. You didn't know if they were necessarily sick. And as a result, the majority of the people that have had it, who have been infected, didn't even know it. And as a result, it's quite possible if they do the mathematical calculation that as much as 55% of the population has actually had the coronavirus, even though there have only been a total of 28 million confirmed cases. Wait, Dave, I have to interrupt you. Go ahead. So are you saying that out of the four of us right now, two of us could have had the coronavirus? Not could, probably did, statistically. Wow, I am what? shocked. Did, did you feel like you got it? You didn't get it, did you, Nick? Uh, I'm going to abstain from that. Oh I'm not goodness. saying I did or did not ha or did not feel like I had it, but um, no, I'm, with all jokes aside, I, I had a cough one time and I went to get tested and I showed up negative. And that's the only time I've had symptoms. But right. I could have been asymptomatic. I, I just don't know. You never know. How about you, Brian? Um, I know for a fact that I do not have it right now. I've been tested multiple times. Okay. I actually got tested this week. Um, so You're negative. I'm negative. So yep. it's got to be you two then. Yep. I got to tell you, way, 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 way back in January, I had a bad flu. And I, I lost my sense of taste, fever, chill, I mean, everything. And I thought, wow, I just got unlucky and had a bad case of the flu. They were only talking about coronavirus in other countries. I went to the doctor. First question he said is, have you traveled abroad or met, met anyone recently, uh, you know, who's come from abroad? And I said, no, 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 no. And he said, well, I think you got a really bad cold, gave me an antibiotic. And that was the end of that. But it, I'm going, wow, that was, that, was kind of a, that was kind of a rough flu. And the, the common... The common thought was at that point that it hadn't reached our shores in January. This was like second week in January. So who knows? Maybe that's what it was, and maybe the virus was floating around on our shores before that. I'll, I'll never know. But in April, May, I gave blood, and one of the reasons that I do that, aside from it's a good thing to do, was they were doing antibody testing. And uh, my blood came back negative on the antibodies. So either the antibody has had worked its way out or I really just had a bad cold. We'll never know. You, you know? gave blood in April, you said? April, May, yeah. So yeah. about four months after. About four months, yeah, yeah. So 
who knows? I mean, I'll, I'll never know. I, I, I was hoping that by the time I gave blood that they would find antibodies because I wanted to be invincible, right? But, uh, but I'll, I'll never know. I'll never know. So, all right, going, so, so going back to the statistical analysis, if we follow along the numbers that this doctor is presenting and that 55% of the population is immune and another 15% of the American population has received the vaccine and they're immune, that means that our immunity could be as high as 70% of the population. Now, it may not be that high. I mean, you know, we don't know for sure, but it certainly is a, a possibility. And Experts differ as to when uh, herd immunity may kick in. A lot of experts, though, seem to think it's in the 70 to 90% range. If you look at the New York Times article, they have a number of really good charts, and they all those charts project 70 to 90% is where we hit herd immunity. And then the virus will start to die out. So if that's the case, is it possible that this will soon be behind us? Again, you know, just a bright ray of light on the horizon, something we haven't had in quite some time. And um, certainly I wouldn't have expected it to peter out and die even in the next couple of months. I thought there was more life to this thing, but uh, maybe nature is taking its, its course and maybe we're building this herd immunity. I don't know. Dave, it's kind of nice to actually use numbers to try and, have a positive outcome. We're using yeah. the math now to see when it's going to be over versus how bad is it going to get? Yeah. 100%. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that it gives people something to look forward to, gives people something to think about rather than, oh, you got to stay home more and more and more, which we, we needed to do to some extent, in my opinion. But yeah, numbers on the plus side is I mean, it's kind of breathtaking. It's a breath of fresh air. It's a, it's a ray of, 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 you know, light to me. So, you know, bear in mind, I'm not a doctor and uh, I'm not necessarily saying that this is my opinion. It's Dave, it's you are a doctor. a doctor. Dave, you are a doctor. I'm, I'm a doctor of laws, not of medicine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would say hit your head, hit your head with a book and call me in the morning. Right. <laughs> But you know, there's there's articles in three really respected publications, and and they're using different sources, and and they're coming up with about the same conclusions. So I recommend that you 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 check those out and and use that as maybe some forward light. Of course, there's some ways to challenge this um, research or or this opinion. You know, I mean, a lot of people are going to go back to is the coronavirus real? You know, is it really a thing? Well, come on. I, I think pretty much it is. Let's talk to, uh, you know, almost half a million people who's, they didn't lose their lives because of it, but their their death, their ultimate death was potentially rapidly accelerated be, because of it. And that is just, you know, heart-wrenching. Um, will the immunity wear off? You know, who's to know? Well, when I got my blood test in uh, April, May, the thought was, well, maybe it's starting to wear off. We don't know. But there was a 2008 study that found that people who were alive during the Spanish flu in the 1890s still had T cells. And T cells are the coding that produces the antibodies. So maybe this will stick around for a long time. We, we just don't know. Is the virus going to mutate? 
I mean, that's a big concern at this point, but we just don't know. So far, the mutations have been um, pretty much covered by the, the vaccination. We don't know. There's stuff we don't know. But maybe, just maybe, we are well on our way to having this thing licked. Just maybe. Now, what do you guys think? Does this mean we should stop wearing masks and, and uh, uh, social distancing and doing carry-out food where you get home and a delicious dinner is now cold? Well, I think Brian has a way different opinion than me. So, Brian, go first. <laughs> um, no, you got to keep wearing the masks. I'm wearing two. I wear them when, you know, whenever I take my walks along the beach. Um, I know I don't think there's been any confirmed cases of COVID being spread from being outdoors. Um just randomly walking by someone. Right. But uh, now grocery store, I'm still not, I'm not going back to eat in a restaurant indoors for a while until I get the shots. And listen, long it's going to take me to get the shots. Um, so now keep doing you're, what we're doing. Keep you're on, a young, on. you're a younger dude. You're not, you're not eligible for the vaccination yet. I'm right? not eligible. Although I heard, uh, who was it, Fauci or somebody said that uh, by April, they thought that everybody who wanted it was going to be able to get to it. So I, mean, I, thought, I thought Brian was hitting 60 by next week. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. I am. So I <laughs> the, uh, good call, Nick. Good call, buddy. <laughs> now, Nick, you're even, you're even younger, so you're not – I mean, you're, you're probably among the last two – uh, be in line for a vaccination, eh? I agree. And uh, as a future lawyer, hopefully, um, we're not getting vaccinations anytime soon. So, um, uh, you know, I will get it when it's offered. Sure. But in regards to masks, you know, living in San Diego, I love the outdoors. And I personally, and this is not, you know, reflective TFWP, but I, I, I don't think a mask is necessary outside. And that's my personal view. But like Brian said, if you're in a grocery store, if you're in close proximity of someone else, just wear a mask. I think it's the appropriate thing. And I think it's very respectful. But yeah. that's my that, that's my view. Yeah. It, I mean, it's so easy to do. I had some guys um, come help me out in the backyard last weekend, three guys actually, and they all wore masks. And I appreciated it. And in fact, I I wore a mask because I thought that they would appreciate it. And it was it a little more uncomfortable and uh, yeah, it was, but we were all very respectful of each other and, and appreciative of having the opportunity to work together and, and we all did what we needed to do. So I, and and you know what? <laughs> Wearing a mask, that's the big hardship compared to world war one, world war two, yeah. other events in our history. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. And, and, and I think it's just, you know, as we've said, it's the respectful thing to do. Yeah, yeah. You know what we did at the office? I was going to surprise you guys, but I forgot about it. Um, we we got some, what are they, 95, N95 or whatever masks in a nice, nice. gray color. And, and we had them stamped and it says, debt sucks. And underneath it, the financial wellness podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I would wear that, Dave. Send me one. I would one. wear that. Too, I would Dave. wear that. <laughs> I'll send it to you. It's classic. People look at me and they go, "What? 
What, Dave. Debt sucks, yeah, but what's the financial wellness? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> well, well, Dave, how about if, uh, you know, if someone sends in an email, we send one to a listener. Done deal. Anybody out there, if you want a, a debt sucks um, mask, go to the website, thefinancialwellnesspodcast.com. Send us an email saying, hey, I want one of them. And we'll send it out to you because I think it's I think it's kind of fun. <laughs> All right. So you guys, now you're thinking, how does this relate to well uh, wellness, financial wellness? I like all this information. Thanks a lot. But how does this relate to financial wellness, right? Yeah, bring us home. Well, I think the answer is it's quite possible that a good portion of the economy, now a different economy, will be back online shortly. And I think it's time to start developing a plan for that possibility and the opportunities that it'll bring. I mean, think about this. This whole economy is going to come back to life, a different economy with new areas of of opportunity in the economy, some portions of the economy that have, have died and have gone away forever. But what an opportunity. And I think for those that are still out of work, get ready to start looking. More importantly, rather than just going back to your same old job, think about this. What would be a fantasy position for you? Don't go back to the same old job. Where are the new jobs are going to be? Where, where's the fun stuff? Where's the interesting stuff going to be? These are things to start thinking about because there's going to be abundant opportunity just around the corner. And it seems to me for our listeners, it's the time to start thinking about it so that you can get a jump on everybody else. What is it they say? Early bird gets the worm? It doesn't sound too appetizing sometimes, but I think it makes a good point. You know, a good example would be wake up in the morning and think about, wow, what would be the most exciting job I could have today if I was going to work for someone else? What's the most exciting industry that I could be involved in? You know, movies, radio, podcasts, you know, some kind of development of vaccines, who knows, whatever you want to do. You could do whatever you want to do because the whole thing is kind of starting fresh, you know. If you're an entrepreneur, it seems to me it's time to start thinking about your next preneur. I stole that line from Aaron Sorkin, Social Network, sorry. I mean, what kinds of needs are people going to have in this new economy? How might you help people fill these needs? You know, I've heard it said that the first business into a new market is the one that usually does this the best, especially in the electronic industry. And if this is the case, what business could you create to fill a new need? I'm going to ask the guys in just a minute. It might be that if, if, if you're working, you might only do this new business on the side for a while as a side gig until it takes off. And, and then you'd have be able to tell your employer, look, I have to leave because I started this thing on the side and it's taking so much of my attention and it's so lucrative, it would be foolish to continue to work for you. Wouldn't that be a cool thing? The point is, start developing a plan now. You know, here are a couple examples. I got an email from a guy who was setting up a virtual, a virtual personal assistant business. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's an interesting thought. How about being a consultant for people to set up home Zoom studios or business studios? 
a lot of people still haven't caught on to the things that we've talked about, guys, in terms of how you should set up a Zoom studio and use Zoom or Team for maximum effectiveness. How about setting up Zoom studios for happy hours? A lot of people are doing family family reunions and happy hours. How about cooking classes for groups on Zoom? I know somebody that did uh, cooking classes in in house and and she was a highly trained chef and people would come over and they'd make stuff together and you know that could be done on zoom the 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 ingredients could be sent ahead of time and they could have a, a complete cooking experience on zoom um, i saw a guy that was doing dog training on zoom now how do you train a dog on zoom how do you get fido to look at the screen and go sit or listen to stand up shake i don't know but maybe <laughs> well, they dave, figured it out dave 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 i have to ask <clears throat> you can i pay for this on bitcoin I, yeah, I i'm think, just wondering i think you're sitting on a big uh, pile of bitcoin and it's uh, burning a hole in your pocket huh <laughs> i i i uh what is it i invoke my fifth amendment right there you go <laughs> i know you're into that and that's it's it's too uh, unclear to me but uh um yeah i guess you probably could I guess you probably could check this out during the holidays. I knew a guy that was putting together um, not for profit, but for fun, but it certainly could have been for profit um, a, a bartending class. And he built a little bar somewhere in his house and he had a couple of um, uh, phones. So they were using two feeds, you know, an, an above feed and a, and a straight on feed and he had created some some custom cocktails um, for the holidays, including one with ground up peppermint flakes on the rim, and it had some kind of schnapps or peppermint or chocolate or something in it. And there were a whole bunch of people watching this going on, and everybody had a ball. You could Dave, give people I, instructions on how to do that. I, I think this is a great date idea. So y- you invite your partner over. Mm-hmm. And you say, hey, let's do this. Let's each do this. Let's set up this cocktail and let's try it. I, I think it's a really good idea. I think it'd be a lot of fun. Have you done it before? Well, I, I was involved in this this bartending class that this guy did. Yeah, we were sitting there. We mixed up stuff and it was it was great. I, of course, I was mixing up something maybe a little stronger than peppermint flakes on the rim. But... <laughs> of course. <laughs> I did a Zoom um, <clears throat> painting with... A painting instructor really so they sent out um a little canvas you know mm-hmm, probably mm-hmm. two feet by two feet nice they send you paint brushes and some um some paints and then the instructor hops on and everyone just kind of paints away and learns a little something wow that'd be fun, that'd be fun. but i mean there's this leads to a whole new thought process in terms of business opportunities Stuff for people to do out there, people people to think in a different way. And it's coming, and it turns out it might be coming a lot faster than what we think. I think, I personally think, this is going to be an incredibly exciting time the next year. You know, I've often thought about the mood of the population after the Spanish flu in the late 1800s, when this cloud was lifting from the population and people were looking around and it's like, hey, What are we going to do now? What is the future going to look like? And of course, it was the roaring 20s, you know, and some would say a a period of unprecedented prosperity spending and, and some would say excess. But I think we're heading into that. 
the economy has shifted, it is going to reopen, and it is going to be as exciting as can be. And I think the question is, how can our listeners take advantage of that as part of their financial wellness? Wow, look at that. Guys, we're out of time. We're not going to do any emails. Thank you, Nick, for joining us. Thanks, Dave. Brian, as always, a pleasure. Thank you, sir. Good to see you guys. Tune in next week. We got another interesting show that we're working on for you. This is Dave Hagan, and you've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast. You've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to financial success. If you have a question that you would like Dave to answer on the podcast, go to thefinancialwellnesspodcast.com. You can leave an audio message with one click of a button or type your message into the question box. Either way, it's sent right to Dave's phone. Remember, Dave will randomly draw from the submitted questions and pick the winner of a free one-hour personal conversation with Dave to help you achieve your financial goals. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you receive the new episode notifications or share the podcast via the app with your family and friends. This is your announcer, Nick Appel, wishing you every financial success.